Ahoy, Noiros! Welcome to it. It's the end of the year. Uh, When is New Year's in relation to this episode, Dan? That's a great question. Here comes the edit button right off the bat. I'll say, you get me off, you know, catch me off guard right away. Um, so this is, this would be one day, but one day before New Year's Eve. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Hey, almost there. Hopefully work lets you get the day off. If not, I'm sorry. Hopefully this episode helps with that. Yeah. We're here to help with work. Yeah. We're helping. It's we're crazy to, to think that out the we, year. we are. Yes. It's time. It, it's time to put an end to this goddamn year. One of the worst ones ever. Maybe probably worse than 2020. Right. I don't know. 2020 was pretty terrible. Too. 2020 was like <laughs> shockingly bad, but just this has been the year of like incompetence further and, and not course correcting the ship. Yeah, yeah. Just further uh, despair. But we're here to take the blues away. We got the surgeon himself, Dr. Dan, <laughs> straight from Detroit. He's straight here Detroit. to assist uh, surgical gentleman Joey here on, on this. Uh, open heart of the year that was welcome to the show i like it thank you dan i've seen in two day span speaking of horrible things i guess one was seen the other was heard Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of gunfire in my neighborhood which is shocking considering the the neighborhood but what was it two days ago driving i'd heard gunshots and then got to drive and see the aftermath of those gunshots which was as close as I'll get to a shot person uh, ever. Wow. Uh, it was bad. One has been confirmed dead, the other not. And uh, they had to be driven by another car to the hospital. And I actually watched the car like reverse and grab the people. It was quite harrowing. And then uh, just last night, before watching this movie, I heard some, some gunfire. Wow. Very close by. And I used the Citizen app to confirm that, oh, yeah, it, it was quite close, which is. Again, just knowing my neighborhood, I mean, you know, you know where the pharmacy is. This is my yeah. neighborhood. Like, yeah. it's not the worst, you know? No. But something's happening. Wow. Jeez. So yeah, that, I mean, that I've, was I've, kind of my week. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I've heard that, you know, it, it has been ramping up, like, all across the city. Like, just yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of violence and, and, and so forth. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's really They're bad. definitely trying to get me out of here between, you know hit and run car things to happen and, yeah. and this stuff. There may be a message easy. here. I'm not sure. Yeah. They're not making it easy on you. No, not at all. But Hey, that's how it goes. But do what you got to do. We, we were talking about uh, that Ghostbusters earlier pre-show, mm-hmm. which made me think of fan service, of course, because it seems like it's a very fan servicey movie. Yeah. Which of course leads to my segue of, I saw the new Spider-Man movie. Oh, the Spider-Man. I saw uh, Spider-Man 3 uh, is one of the home ones. I actually, I, yeah. I'm, I'm so confused I, with the home titles, which I, I don't care for at this so point. So wait, there's Homecoming and then Homecoming there's... was the first one, which was a great title. I was on board for that. It made uh-huh. sense. He's coming home. He's going to Homecoming. Lot, lots to enjoy. Yeah. Then there was Far From Home. I literally, yeah. after seeing the movie, was left up at night like, what the hell is the name of the third one or the, the, the second one? Because I confused the new one as Far From Home. But this one was uh, No Way Home, which is by far the worst title. Wait, isn't Far From Home, isn't that, isn't that the, 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 the beeline of, of Homeward Bound 2? It could movie? be. I, I, like, the minute you said that, I was like, Far From, or is that Yellow Dog, am I thinking of? I'll take whatever you got. <laughs> All right, so first up is coming is Spider-Man. But I could have sworn there was like another movie. Homeward Bound 2 is lost in San Francisco. Okay. 
Oh, it's The Adventures of Yellow Dog. Okay, so I was, I was the Dog. second one. I was right. Yes, because it's okay. called Far From Home, The Adventures yes. of Yellow Dog, which I remember that when I was so that So that is, it has in common with Spider-Man 2, uh, Far From Home, which I hated. I, I don't care for that movie at all. I think it's it's so far from the, the messaging of Spider-Man. I've oh, also I, thought I thought you were talking about Yellow Spider-Man. Dog. <laughs> I don't know anything about Yellow Dog. This is news to me. You might have to check that out. I'm good on Yellow Dog, I think. <laughs> some, some things are guaranteed in life. Okay. Um, so I didn't know what to expect, but yeah, this thing is fan service galore. No spoilers here. I had a great time. It was a wonderful time. Really? It was a lot of fun. It was one of those movies, too, like where I love seeing... It's the only time I love seeing those movies with large crowds because mm-hmm. people just react. Those reactions are just a lot of fun to me. The only thing I know about it is Marissa Tomei is in it, and I love Marissa Tomei, so... She's great. Lots, yeah, so lots I'll, of great I'll, I'll Marissa Tomei in this. There's so much in it. Uh, anything would be a spoiler, but check mm. it out. I mean, don't check it out. Like, I'm not going to recommend fucking Spider-Man. It's going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say, I've literally seen none of them. So <laughs> let me just recommend the most like popular movie in the world right now. Yeah, check them out then. Yeah, mm. they're, they're fun. I mean, the, I, again, I didn't like the second one. So maybe check it out, but also go in being like, you know, your boy does not recommend this one. See, Although Jake Gyllenhaal is quite good. Okay. I, like, um, I liked him. If Canon had actually made a Spider-Man movie in the 80s, see, I probably would have watched that. We got the teaser trailer. Yeah. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't okay, watched I'll it. Okay, s- I'll send you the... I mean, it's like nothing. It's like this 80s CGI Spider-Man yeah. coming in and doing a flip, like, coming soon, but never. Yeah. But yeah, that's a fascinating thing to flip through 80s comics. There's so much hype on that. Oh, yeah. And it never happened. And James, I, James Cameron actually came out with a new art book of like his artwork for the movies that he's done. And there's a bunch of stuff that he did for the Spider-Man movie that he never got to make. I'm curious to see it. What could have been? I'll report back if I pick up that book. It's kind of a hefty tag, but his art looked very, I mean, as an artist, I was very interested. I love, I love these guys that could do that stuff where they do little storyboards and you're like, holy shit, if you actually did art, everyone would love you, but you're doing something else. So beyond. Yeah. You ever pick up the pencil, Dan? To draw stuff? Um, sure. <laughs> you, ever, you ever pick up a pencil before? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to answer your question in general, yes, I've picked up a pencil before. Um, was drawing, it number one? It was number two. Wow. You don't um, use a number one pencil? You don't believe in number one? You want the second best? I never see them. I don't I know if they see- exist. I don't, I'll, I don't know what the deal with that is. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, maybe, maybe someone can write in. How are um, you not at number three at this point? Or is that mechanical? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, um, it's the end of the year, folks. We get to do what we want. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going on. We're going into quite an area. Um, I, I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, but I, I haven't done it in, in quite some time. I used to be really into it. I was more into comics when I was younger. But you yeah. still have any of the old artwork? No, oh, not that I not that I could think of. I bet you still got something in you. Who would you I'll like look. to draw? Who is your go to character that like always felt right? I mean, I've always been a huge Space Ghost fan. So I feel oh, okay, like cool. I probably had drawings of Space Ghost, like anything Space Ghost related, whether it was the original cartoon or Coast to Coast. I, I had all the comics and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the gold, like the gold key type stuff through the, um, yeah. was it the Kamiko ones from the 80s? Was that who? I'm trying to think of. Comico. Comico, yeah. Yeah. It was pronounced Kamiko. I just figured because it was comics, it was Comico. That makes, that makes more sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was I was a really big fan of, of Space Ghost. So probably probably Space Ghost drawings, if I can remember. Will you draw us a Space Ghost drawing? We'll put it up on the account. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I'll, I'll well, see. you you. How about you pencil it and I ink it? Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'll, okay. I'm, I'm gonna say I have not drawn anything in an extremely long amount of time. So I'll I, polish I, I your turd, Dan. That's the I'm gonna say I, it might be a turd. Yeah. 
I think that could be a lot of fun. I'd be interested to see what you could produce for us. Okay. Do you All have right. a pencil currently? Um, good question. Um, okay. probably, probably something. All right. Yeah, I can find rem- one. I'm going to remind you of this. Uh, okay. Briefly, before moving on, I'm going to say, uh, recently, speaking of Space Ghost, I was watching, they had like the unedited interviews on YouTube mm-hmm. of some, some people, and that was very interesting to see. I can only imagine potatoes. how the, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic show. Um, so good. Uh, speaking of fantastic shows, just launched, uh, I guess it's old news by now, but the MacGruber television show is finally launched. It's on Peacock. I've not finished it, but what I've seen so far is the best television of the year it's good oh, oh my god it's it's so funny cool some big laughs uh we're still enjoying how to with john wilson another say, another yeah. fire episode we just enjoyed <laughs> yes <laughs> quite quite an odyssey oh boy that just just some great television on right now uh what, what a time to be alive for sure they'll catch up on movies i feel like i watched a movie but i guess it wasn't that good if i can't remember anything about it spider-man kind of superseded it i guess it was a real experience, yeah. It often does. Yeah. And then I went back and like instantly went to work. My work schedule is so crazy right now. Like I've been finishing work at like three in the morning and then just like sleeping. Yeah, it's it's wow. everything has been so busy and jam packed. I've had like a lot of art deadlines. This wow. is what I, this is what you do. Why don't you draw one of these flyers for me and then uh, you know we'll call it a collaboration. I'll cut you in on the dough. All right. All right. We'll see. I, I can come up with some creative. <laughs> You need more work, Dan. That's what I'm saying. I heard you got a vacation coming up, so that's more reason to load you up. I, yeah, I mean, just, just when I thought I was going to be taking it, taking it easy, pulling me back in. Now, Dan, we had a homework assignment last week, which I had just said how busy I am. I failed that assignment, so I don't know if you came through on yours, if you want to save it for next week. I literally thought about it as, as I was signing on. I was like, yeah, I totally forgot to do that as well. So, Beautiful. I'm so yeah. glad to hear that. Um, we'll, we'll either discuss it next week. Maybe we'll, we'll record a bonus. We'll figure it out. But this stuff yeah. will be discussed. This time of year is so busy. It's so, so busy. busy. And man, even just getting into this movie, this research, it was such an undertaking, the whole thing. I, I still feel ill-prepared, but let's get into it, Dan. I think I think we're gonna have another big sleep on our hands, and for obvious reasons. But yes and no. I mean, I yeah. think this is less convoluted. It's just that so yeah. much happens, like yes. you know, like. But I understand what's going on through this all throughout. I mean, I'd also like to point out that you know, I guess a little bit of a peek behind the curtains. I remember when we were talking about this at the end of the year, like what what should we go out on the year on? Um, yes, like we wanted movie? something special. We wanted something a banger, good. if you will. Yeah, exactly. You want to go out with a bang, and uh, this was the first one that popped in my head. Uh, yes. Literally, I was like, I'm just going to go off off my gut. And yeah, I think we picked a good one, though. We'll we see. did. And I mean, I think it was, you know, interesting, but good that we pretty much, we, I think there's no more Marlowe we could really do. I mean, officially. Yeah, there's there's some ones that um, they changed the name of the character, but they're based right. off of, of, off of yeah, so, Marlowe. Like this, yeah. this movie, Murder My Sweet, uh, this is the first appearance, film appearance mm-hmm. of Philip Marlowe. But yes, there was a movie before this. I believe it was even from RKO. Mm-hmm. I think I have this stuff in my fun facts, so we'll sound more professional in a little bit. But, uh, you know, they, they did it, but they changed the name. Uh, they changed the detective's name. Yeah. This is the, and this is the first and kind of only time it really felt like, other than the title, confident in the novel that was presented to them it's the truest adaptation i mean like the dialogue it feels very much like chandler dialogue it's yeah the best thing about it i mean it's so good that it makes you believe that like dick powell is some sort of a tough guy i i really like him in this uh, i i, think, I, yeah. I we'll get into it we'll get into it I, i'm very conflicted um uh-huh. i think he should have kept his scruff okay 
when that two seconds when he had his scruff, it was like, okay, I'm starting to see it. And then he shaved it and instantly it's like, oh, you have a song for us, sir. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, that would have added a nice touch. Well, let me ask, have you, have you seen this before? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, okay. This is... This is as essential film noir as it gets. Like, yes, absolutely. Top, top five, you gotta watch it. I mean, it's got your private detective. It's got your dames. It's it, it's kind got your tall. You know, yep. it's it's got it's got. I mean, everything you'd want in a film noir. MacGuffin, yeah, like everything. Yeah, I think that's what I love most about it. It's just that yeah, it's a quintessential film noir. Episode fifty-two. One year of this show. Wow, wow, Dan. We could stop now and, and we, I mean, not now. We should probably finish the episode. But we could stop and, and really have, a, have accomplished something that's pretty wild. But maybe we'll save yes. the salutations for the end, even though we took a little already in the beginning. Murder My Sweet. This thing was released December 9th, a.k.a. the greatest day in history, as we've <laughs> since established on our Bullet for Joey episode. Uh-huh. Uh, 1944 uh-huh. by the great RKO Pictures, which means, hey, Blu-ray from our close personal friends at Warner Archive. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Directed by Edward Dimitrik mm-hmm. from Crossfire. He's going to name names, folks. Produced by Adrian Scott. Screenplay by John Paxton. And this was based, of course, as we mentioned, on Raymond Chandler's 1940 novel, Farewell, My Lovely. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, we're going to open with one of the best tropes there is in film noir. Starting at the end and talking to the police, which is going to lead us to the inevitable voiceover. Yes. And with this, you need it because you need that Chandler dialogue narration. And you, you need a blindfold for some reason <laughs> on, on a guy, which you obviously I wonder why. later. Yeah, I wonder I why. Wonder why. Uh, we once again meet Philip Marlowe. He's got a different face this time. We know that he's a private detective. We met him in The Big Sleep, of course, and, and also uh, Lady in the Lake. Mm-hmm. You've, you've had it hot and you had it cold. And, and you know, maybe you got your Goldilocks right here. We'll, we'll get into it. His eyes are completely bandaged, as we said, and he's being interrogated by Bay City Lieutenant Randall, and he seems to think that Marlowe had something to do with some murders that have occurred very recently. So, you know, you, you guys want to know, too? All right, well, let's go ahead, and we're going to journey to the past. The blind Marlowe turns into a voiceover, and he tells the fuzz all about a late evening where Marlowe goes back to his office, and he's visited by a potential client named Moose Malone. We've seen our friend Moose before, uh, Mike Mazursky. He was Bruno in Nightmare Alley recently. Professional wrestler, great time. Always good to see him. He's he's just a classic big tough guy from film noir. Oh, yeah. And so Moose, he's he's a big Moose-like fella, and he's looking for a woman named Velma Valento. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't just watch this movie. She's a redhead that he hasn't seen in like eight years while he was away in prison. And Moose, he's a real pushy guy. And he practically drags Marlowe to an old nightclub that Velma used to work at, which is now called uh, Florian's. Mm-hmm. Nice atmosphere in here. But no I, I love the, the steps going up. Yeah. I love that. That shot was great. It's just a great start to the movie where you just, you're really getting thrown right into it. You're like, all right, we're, we're off to a drink. I wonder where this is going. Throw some um, money at him and money, money talks. You money know? does talk. I mean, that is the theme of this movie. Yes. Uh, everyone's got money to pay for these hijinks. Yeah, no one seems to know what they're talking about at all. And Moose is pretty rude about it. They buy a couple of bottles. They just grab from the bar and they take off. Marlowe, though, he stays working and he tracks down Jesse Florian in the phone book. And she had taken over the bar after her husband's death. You know, this bar owner is a drunk. That's always a good thing. And Marlowe has just the bottle to help get information. But she denies ever knowing Velma. She gets very drunk. 
and Marlowe, he snoops around and he finds a photo of her hidden in a filing cabinet. It's great how like she's just talking and like kind of dozes off and like he's just gone. He's just gone, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, what's this photo right here? Yeah. That was, that was really nicely done. Well, he saw um, him around with something. He was like, wait, that looks a little bit odd. Absolutely. Earlier. And then now he's like, all right, I got to find out what that is. All of a sudden, Jesse, she, she changes her tune and she's like, oh, Velma's dead. And uh, when Marlo tips her off that Moose is out of prison, she suddenly then becomes hysterical and he leaves, but he stays outside and, and keeps an eye on everything through the window. And we now see that Jesse absolutely can handle her booze and she makes a mysterious phone call. Mm-hmm. So Marlo heads back to his office and he finds Lindsay Marriott waiting for him. You know, business is clearly good. People keep coming in and like we said, money talks. Marriott hires him to be his muscle in a trade-off in this secluded canyon. Um, he's going to deliver some ransom money in exchange for a stolen jade necklace. All in day's work for a private investigator, right? Absolutely. <laughs> he doesn't need a secretary either, you know? Yeah. This phone will be left ringing sometimes. And hashtag Fogcast Dan in the canyons. Right off the bat, we know Dan's on board. I was waiting for you to say it. I, I didn't want to have to be the one to say it, but... You know, if that's the day where one gets by me, you know, maybe that's when we call it a day. But yes, so far, the, I, I catch the fog. I'm on the hunt. Thank you. I'm uh, glad you're on fog, fog watch for me, just <laughs> as I am. Yeah, we, this is another episode of the Fogcast. We're glad to have it. Put it on our, our letterbox list. And then, yeah, this whole thing just feels wrong. Marlowe, he's looking around. Uh, Marriott's just hiding in the, down below in the, the back seat. Uh, Marlowe's looking around. He's waiting for these jewel thieves. And then he's suddenly knocked unconscious by a blackjack and he awakens to a mysterious young woman standing over him. But then she quickly runs away. And then Marlowe, he finds that Marriott is still in the car, but he's now a corpse in the back seat. And the cops, they aren't buying any of this when they're called in. And also Lieutenant Randall, he warns uh, Marlowe to stay away from uh, Jules Amthor, who's a psychic advisor that the police are investigating because he's a psychic advisor, I'd imagine. Yes. That has something to do with it. Uh, so Marlowe heads back to his office and he finds a woman reporter there waiting to question him about a stolen jade necklace. But with glasses like that, clearly she's lying. So Marlowe pulls him off and uh, she admits to the whole thing that she's really Anne Grail. This is our Anne Shirley here. Mm-hmm. Got to keep up on the Anne's just in case she doesn't know her name. Uh, and that the, the jade necklace is actually her stepmother, Helen's. So Marlowe makes Anne take him to the Grail estate. And it's quite a pad at that place. Yes. And there's some great moments inside with the echoes and he plays hopscotch on the, yeah. the floor as you do. Gotta love, love it. It's also a moment, I think a little later too, where he like lights a cigarette and he brushes the match against the statue's butt. Yeah. That's going to be a gif. Uh, <laughs> so look out for that one by the time this episode comes out. Um, and here we meet old man, Mr. Grail. And he's got a, a young looker of a wife named Helen and she reveals that the necklace was also stolen from her at gunpoint and that it's worth $100,000. And she, she's quite flirty, as we see. She also spills that Marriott was their friend and that he had agreed to ransom the necklace for her. And Marlowe asks if Marriott knew Amthor. And it turns out that Marriott was Amthor's patient. Mm-hmm. So Marlowe, he's been feeling pretty responsible for getting Marriott killed. He feels like he didn't get his money's worth, that he failed them. And so he, he agrees to search for the necklace and, and for his killers. And then wouldn't you know it, the old Amthor pays a surprise visit to the Grails and Marlo warns him that the police are after him. Mm-hmm. From here, Marlo leaves and heads back home. One of my favorite back- lines in the movie, real quick, is, is, is yeah. here when he's leaving, he's like, it's like something like, How do you get out of this fun house, Colonel? This way, sir. 
like i don't know i just i just love that love that line as he's like trying to like make his way through that uh kind of marble you know checkered room it's insane yeah yeah they it's definitely, such a weird house they, they get the effect with it yeah. quite nicely so yeah it doesn't take long for helen to show up at marlo's place and, and she's flush with cash she's got it cash in hand and she asks him to go out for a drink at the coconut beach club but then Rudely enough, she excuses herself to powder her nose. That's, that's not cool. And Anne shows up. And she doesn't seem to like any of this. And she tries to hire him away from Helen. And then Marlo sees Moose at the bar and goes to talk to him. And then when he heads back, because Moose is like, you know, why don't you ditch Anne? We got to go somewhere. Got to see, um, see a guy. We got to go see a guy. And he's like, all right, I guess so. Because Moose is a pushy guy. And he heads back to the table. <laughs> Anne is gone, but she left her phone number and address behind. So it turns out Moose is working for Amthor. That's where we're going. We're heading to the psychic's apartment. And Marlo, he says, you know, I know Amthor is involved with this blackmail schemes with Marriott. Clearly something's up here. And Amthor thinks that Marlo has the necklace, but he does not. Mm-hmm. So he's got to go. He gets knocked unconscious. Very cool scenes as this is happening. Just the fuzziness filter they put over the camera. Oh, yeah. The, the, the doors. It, it's, it's pretty pretty well done yeah it's like very surreal and and also we should mention that uh moose is worried for him because he because he's told by am by amthor that marlo knows where velma is and like won't tell him yeah so like he's like th- th- that's his connection that you know he's being kind of led on manipulated that, yeah manipulated that that marlo knows where velma is but he doesn't doesn't wink, no. wink, wink 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 as viewers from the future know yes so he Marlo's he's out for three days. He wakes up in a, a locked room. He's super drugged up. He plays this very well. I was very impressed with this whole performance. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's barely able to do anything. People come in to check on him, and then he uh, he breaks off a spring from the bed and uses it to knock out someone when he calls him into the room. The attendant, up, yeah. Upgrades hit to his blackjack. I love how he just keeps upgrading weapons the whole time. <laughs> you got to. You got you absolutely got to. Um, so he stumbles his way out through the room and he, he's in and out of consciousness. And he heads into the office of Dr. Sonderberg, who is an associate of Amthor's, who, you know, then he pulls a gun, but Marlowe's totally able to pull on top of it. He's upgrades to this gun. Yep. I had a nightmare. A lot of crazy things. I slept. I woke up and the room was full of smoke. I was a sick man. Instead of pink snakes, I got smoke. Well, here I am, all cured. What were you saying? I made no remark. Remarks want you to make them. They got their tongues hanging out waiting to be said. I'm Dr. Sonderborg. You've been suffering from narcotic poisoning. On account of you pumped me full of this poisoning, huh, Doc? Speak up, Dr. Jekyll. I'm in a wild mood tonight. I want to go dance on the phone. I hear the banshees calling. I haven't shot a man in a week. You very nearly died, sir. I had to give you digitalis. Also a little something to make me talk? What was I supposed to talk about? Maybe about a jade necklace I haven't got? How was I? Was I good telling you about what I don't have? Did the customers like me? But he he still is is quite woozy, too. And, like, there's a couple times that he looks like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, we're going to lose him. But he keeps pulls it together. Yeah. He pulls it, absolutely. So after this, Marlo leaves and there's Moose waiting for him. Um, and, and Moose, you know, he's kind of realizing that he was duped and he, he offers to help out. 
Marlo puts him in a cab. The cab the whole time is like, ah, you know, uh, this thing's booked. <laughs> Can you see the flag? So Moose just rips it off, and that seems to get it done. Although yeah. he doesn't ask where he's going. No. Hopefully Marlo can tell him, you know, he seems like he's in good shape. Yeah. He tells Moose that Amthor is involved with Velma as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that helps get Moose back on the right track. Um, right. And so Marlo, he goes to Anne's apartment. You know, he got that address from the, the coaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to get his get back to clarity, although he keeps like, like yeah, mix some booze in with this coffee. Like, I don't know how he's yeah. doing this. <laughs> and maybe some eggs, too, while you're yeah. at it. <laughs> And um, Anne's like, oh, I found your address on this slip that was on Marriott's body. So that's how I was able to get to you. And then Randall arrives and uh, Marlowe's like, tells him about Sonderberg and, and the jade necklace. Randall leaves and Marlowe and Anne, they go back to the Grail house mm-hmm. and find old man Grail. And he's, he doesn't know that um, Marriott had been staying at the beach house that they have, this very nice beach house that we're going to see. Yes. You, know, you could live in either one of these places and be good for life, but these people got two. Yeah. I think the beach house is kind of cooler, to be honest. The, the scene, Absolutely. The, yeah, Absolutely. Like the, you know, the view from that alone. Echoey checkered halls are cool and all, but yeah, no, the, that, that view was phenomenal. And also Mr. Grail is starting to realize that, you know, maybe his wife is, his cool young wife is maybe a little too flirtatious and, and a little promiscuous. Mm-hmm. And Grail's like, you know what? We got to just figure this out this whole necklace business, this whole wife business, you got to close this case for me. Mm-hmm. So they head to this beach house, Marlo and Anne and Marlo and, and Anne, they kiss a little bit, but Anne thinks that she's, she's getting used to get information from this detective. And all of a sudden then Helen pops out. She's mm-hmm. been staying there. She's been, that's where she's been this whole time. Uh, and Marlo says, Oh, you knew to you come back after the police had, had come in and investigated here because you knew they wouldn't be back. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting, Helen? And Anne doesn't like this, and she does not has not liked Helen at all. So she storms off, and then it's just it's Helen and Marlo. And Helen is trying to get on Marlo's good side. A little cozy with them, you know. Oh, absolutely, pulling the moves. And she says that she thinks that Amthor killed Marriott. It was a double cross to steal the necklace. And says, you know, hey, why don't you help me out? We'll get rid of this guy. And so Marlo, he agrees. And they're like, well, we're going to lure Amthor to the beach house with the promise of the necklace. So Marlo heads to Amthor's apartment and he finds out that he's dead. And he was killed by probably somebody who doesn't know his own strength. His, his yeah, neck somebody, was, somebody rang, rung his neck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It snapped. Hmm, I wonder who that could have been. <laughs> I wonder. And, and also leading to the I wonder is uh, Marlo sees that there's a signed photo of Velma on Amthor's desk. Mm-hmm. But Moose, he, he appears, you know, he, he shows up and he's like, yeah, that's, that's not Velma. I don't know who the hell that is. Mm-hmm. So Marlo, he's like, you know, I know where Velma is. I'm going to reunite you guys. Let's go to the beach house. You wait outside. I'm going to go inside and just let her know you're coming in. Get her all warmed up for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Marlo goes inside. Helen's still there. And he says that Amthor's on his way. She shows him the necklace. She actually had the, the necklace the whole time. She faked it. Yep. Wouldn't you believe it? And so Marlo, he realizes that this is, or he probably knew at this point, but he lets us know that this was Velma. He knows that it's Velma mm-hmm. and accuses her of murdering Marriott. And also thinks that that was the phone call that Mrs. Florian made after she was pretending to be drunk. Yeah. That she had called Helen to let her know that, hey, Moose is out. He hired Marlowe. You gotta, you gotta watch out because he's probably gonna come for you. She had committed a crime 
with Moose and Moose mm-hmm. took the hit and she thinks that she may get in trouble for that. Yeah. And so Marlo also thinks that, you know, he would have got killed too if Anne hadn't interrupted that night. So Helen pulls a gun on Marlo uh, and disarms him. She, she realized when they kissed that uh, his gun had pressed up against her, mm. left leaving a bruise or whatever. Uh, that was a nice, nice touch. Yeah. And uh, Anne and Mr. Old Man Mr. Grail come into the old beach house and we were, everyone's confronted with this. Quite a showdown. A, quite a showdown indeed at the old beach house. Mm-hmm. Um, and Helen's about to kill Marlowe, but old man Grail shoots her instead. And Moose hears these gunshots, breaks in, and finds Velma, or a.k.a. Helen. She, she's dead. And uh, this, of course, makes Moose very angry. He lunges at old man Grail, who, who starts shooting. And Marlowe jumps in front of the gun right when the shooting's going down. Like, his face is right there. Yep. Fire goes off, blinds him. We now realize, you, could, you know, you start to think, hey, didn't this guy have bandages on in the beginning yes. of this movie? How'd that happen? So, yeah, he gets blinded. He hears the shots, but he doesn't know what happened. And now we're back in the present at the police office. And he's just trying to figure out what's going on. And Randall's like, no, no, you're, you're good to go. Um, someone cooperated your story. And he's like, yeah, it must have been Anne then. Moose and Old Man Grail are both dead, we find out. Marlowe hands over the necklace to Randall. Yeah, he gets left out of the police station and uh, <laughs> Anne is there. She's playing it all cool and secret. And it's like, you know, saying shh and follows him out and goes into the cab. And I love, uh, I love this whole sequence because he's like basically telling her that. Yeah, he's how, like, oh, how, boy, that is. She's her. so yeah. great. Like, yeah, that, she, I bet it was her. She's so wonderful. And she's yep. there the whole time just loving it. And the cop that's leading him off is just like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't get paid <laughs> enough for this. Like, I don't know. Whatever. And then, um. He, he gives a little sniff, smells like her perfume, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give a kiss. Dan, what if he thought it was the police officer? Well, he said that initially. He, he said, yeah, I know, but like, what yeah. if he really didn't know, though? He's like, that oh, smells good in here anyways. <laughs> Come here, you. I mean, I would know. have made for an interesting saying. ending. Exactly. Um, Choose your own adventure here, yeah. folks. But it seems like he knew it was her. They kissed. The end. It's nice a, little wrap-up. Nice little wrap-up indeed to... Uh, to a great film. Web, a web, a total web of a movie. So where would you rank this Marlowe performance, Dan, in, in what we've seen? The big three. Um, It's tough because I, I have a, such a love for The Big Sleep, but I think this is just a better movie. I, exactly. I, like you said earlier, it's, it's, le- it's convoluted, but it's less confusing. Like, exactly. You can you follow can, it along. You can follow this a lot e- easier than you can Big Sleep. So I would say this, then Big Sleep, then... Lady in the Lake. That would be my I think between that and just the dialogue is so much better and just feels like true Chandler. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been very interesting to get Bogey in this movie. Yeah. Well, didn't didn't Chandler say that he actually liked this performance? Because I don't know if... I'm not sure how he felt about Bogey. He said he did like this performance, but then he saw Bogey's and Bogey had overtaken his preference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like I said, I think Dick Powell did it. Like like knowing where he came from, like Mm -hmm. leading up to this, like I thought he did a great job. I think the the sweet spot for him is kind of like like in Pitfall. I think that was a very, yeah. I think that's the right spot. But he does he does a very good job. You get lost in it. There's a couple of times where you just wish it was a little bit harder. But thankfully, it hadn't been that long since we watched Robert Montgomery just totally biff it. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just like it's light years beyond better than that. And so, well, and it I was think, easy to ignore. And yeah, like I, I said, mean, that one scene where he had that scruff, I'm like, this is great. Keep that. <laughs> this is what you need. And I think 
Dick Powell, like he always kind of wanted to be like in a, like a double indemnity kind of role. So I think getting back to what you're saying, because pitfall is fairly similar to that. I think that's where it, he hit that nice balance. I think between yeah. like this almost mild mannered guy that kind of gets embroiled in this thing versus him having to play this more of like a, I don't want to say hard detective, but you know, more of like a, you know, a, a snappy private eye kind of guy. With but, snappy pattern. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I like I said, I, I, I like everybody in this. I think it's great. I think all the characters are, are, are a good time. Um, yeah, there's no, zero complaints about this movie. It, it's a yeah. ten out of ten. It's a, yeah. it's a, uh, <laughs> ten. Uh, what, what's the ranking system for this one, Derek? It's ten J necklaces. Ten G, ten G necklaces. Yes. Yeah, I think this is definitely one where it's like if someone like all, if just like comes up to you on the street and says like. I want to check out a film noir. What is like, film noir? Yeah, yeah. Like, give me a give me like a, a good top five movies. Like, yeah, I mean, this would have to be as far at least as a starter movie. This is one you watch. This is one I would recommend. Well, and also, I don't know if it's still in print, but Warner Archive did that four Blu-ray bundle that, ha- or it's like one disc, but it has Gun Crazy, Out of the Past, this, and what's the other one, Dan? Uh, great question. The setup, I think, is that. Did you mention the set? The that's exactly what it is. It's the okay. setup. Yeah, and right. that's that's four perfect movies so i mean that's a good starter kit you honestly could hand someone that disc and just be like if this doesn't do it i don't know what to tell you it's as good as it gets yeah yeah no i mean that was a great idea on their part i mean i think that you know curating that all together yeah i mean i i have them all separately and then yeah same but i think that is great if you really were just like getting a a little present for someone who's dipping their toes in can't be beat i agree you ready for some fun facts dan I'm always ready. All right. Well, with this movie, RKO had signed Dick Powell. They were on the verge of bankruptcy. And at this point, Powell was a lot older. We'll get into him in a second. But like, he was a, a song and dance man, uh, very light comedic roles known for his, his boyish look. So yeah, now he was older, but they were still hoping they could get a hit in that regard. They were planning to make a series of musicals with him. And he had only signed with them under the condition that he would be allowed to play a straightforward dramatic role first. Mm-hmm. So he was cast as Philip Marlowe. Many were weary about this casting, of course, including the director, Edward Dimitrik, though, of course, he would later change his mind. The novel was called Farewell, My Lovely, of course, and that was the plan for this film as well. It was, that was the working title, and, and it was actually reviewed under that title in a couple of papers. But according to the New York Times art- and a New York Times article, RKO had changed the title after the results of an audience research incorporated poll showed that audiences felt the title suggested that it was going to be a musical Yeah, that had Dick Powell in it. I can understand. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're both great titles, I, I, but I'm glad this had come up. They came up with this. It's a perfect title. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they delayed the movie because of this. And finding this correct title was especially important because they really wanted to show that this was something different for Powell. And um, after this movie was a huge success, the, the president of RKO had abandoned his plans for Dick Powell to star in those musicals. And he kept his trajectory as a hard-boiled detective mm-hmm. or action movies. But this was shot in 44 days. And Dick Powell and Claire Trevor actually reprised their roles in a Lux Radio Theater broadcast on June 11th, 1945. It was important for John Paxton to follow Chandler's novel, as well as Chandler's advice of, quote, when your plot hits a snag, have somebody come through the door with a gun. Mm -hmm. Some aspects of the plot had to be underplayed because of the production code, such as Marriott's homosexuality, the fact that Amthor and Sonderberg were providing drugs to everybody in Los Angeles. But for the most part, a lot of it was kept in. 
Oh, and Anne Grail was uh, actually the daughter of an honest cop in the novel instead of a stepdaughter to Trevor's seductress. Mm. And it was the producer's idea to shoot the film as an extended flashback so that way they could keep the narration style intact. Mm-hmm. They, there's a lot of cool camera tricks with this one, like the final shootout with, for Dick Powell to protect his face so he doesn't get blinded. They actually uh, use plate glass over to reflect the gunshot. And they actually had to change Mr. Grail, old man, Mr. Grail. He had to change his sh- uh, shooting hand from his right hand to the left hand to disguise the reflection yeah. of that, of that, which is pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff with like Moose. There was a lot of like forced perspective because they needed him to tower over Powell, who's only like two inches taller than him in real life. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Powell had to stay in like a trench in many scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just fun little stuff like that. And then as far as everybody cast members for Dick Powell, he came from Arkansas. He got his start in church choirs and even started his own band with a local orchestra. And he had toured. He was briefly married and, and recorded a whole ton. And he especially gained his footing when he moved to Pittsburgh and became a local MC. In 1930, Warner Brothers had actually purchased the record label that Powell was recording for, and they were impressed with his singing and offered him a film contract. And he would find incredible success as a boyish crooner, but it didn't take long for him to feel typecast and long for more. By 1944, he needed a change as he felt like he was too old to continue playing the roles that he had been doing for so long. So he went out, and we, we brought this up when we did the, the movie, but he went out for the lead role of Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. And he got it. Wow, boy, what a performance. Oh, oh wait, he didn't get it? Oh, no. okay. Whoops. Well, once he saw Fred McMurray have success because they had similar careers, he was now more determined than ever to, to change everything, and he was lucky enough to get cast in this as Philip Marlowe. And yes, he was the first actor to ever play him on film, also radio and television. Hmm. Then he would make Cornered, which actually reunites the director, producer, screenwriter, and star of this movie. We'll get to that, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And then Johnny O'Clock, which I'm sure we'll get to as well. Yes. And Pitfall, which we got to. So we're doing mm-hmm. all right. He kept up this new tough guy image, but he would do a few comedies from time to time, but he would never sing on film again. But he also directed. He, he would get into directing. He did the noir split second in 1953 for RKO and also directed The Conqueror, a.k.a. the John Wayne movie that was filmed on a nuclear testing site and killed everyone that worked on it. Yes. <laughs> and including Dick Powell, who died at age 53, or 58, excuse me, in January 2nd, 1963. So that's a career, all right. <laughs> yes. And, very uh, Claire, Yeah, very varied indeed. Claire Trevor, who played Helen Grail, a.k.a. Thelma, uh, she was a very successful actress. She appeared in 68 films from 1933 to 1982. And she won the Academy Award for her role in Key Largo, which I'm sure we'll be doing shortly. Mm-hmm. And she was also in Born to Kill, which we're absolutely going to get to soon. Mm-hmm. She was also so big at one point that when she made Stagecoach, she was billed higher than John Wayne. Wow. And she was also in this movie called Hard, Fast, and Beautiful, which is this tennis movie directed by Ida Lupino that I've been wanting to see. Hmm. So hopefully I'll find that at some point. And she passed away in, in 2000. Hmm. Anne Shirley, our Anne Grail, who was born Dawn Evelyn Paris. And she was working from birthday. As a baby, she was a model and uh, she was acting by age five. And in 1934, she took her stage name from Anne of, Anne, Anne of Green Gables. And she played that title character. And, you know, knowing all this helps 
make sense of why she retired after making Murder My Sweet in her, her late twenties. Yeah, she acted a lot. She did, and then yeah, this was enough, and it was a, a great film to go on out on. She was married a couple times, once to actor John Payne. Big she fan. actually she actually married the producer of this movie, Adrian Scott, at one point. Um, but once he was blacklisted, as we're we're about to get into, she decided to move the family to Europe. Wrote him a dear John letter saying that she'd actually rather stay behind in Hollywood and divorce him. And she went ahead and did that. Continued to get married, have affairs. And she died of lung cancer at age 75 in 1993. Hmm. Edward Dimitrik, the director, is from Canada. His family moved to California when he was young and his mom died when he was age four. His dad was uh, quite a monster, would beat him regularly and so he, he ran away quite a bit. And at age 15, he was actually allowed to by the state to live on his own. And he soon found work as a messenger for famous players Lasky, which would be one of the studios that would later become Paramount Pictures mm-hmm. while he was still attending high school. His path would then take him as a projectionist, film editor, and later as a director. And by age 31, he would finally become a naturalized citizen of the United States. He made his directorial debut in, with The Hawk in 1935 which was an independent Western. After doing some uncredited direction on Million Dollar Legs, starring Betty Grable in 1939, Paramount felt confident that he was able to pull off directing and they allowed him to direct Television Spy later that same year. He went on to Monogram in 1940 before headed to Columbia to direct their B-Picture unit and then signed a contract with RKO in 1942. He had a big hit with Tender Comrade the next year, starring their biggest star, Ginger Rogers, which would then lead to Murder My Sweet cornered again which uh, had everybody involved with this one back in 1945 and then uh, of course crossfire in 1947 mm-hmm. after this everything would fall apart Dimitrik was a member of the hollywood 10 which of course means that he was called to testify by huac and refused he was briefly a member of the communist party from 1944 to 45 and was persuaded by the nine other members of hollywood to not testify he was then fired by rko and after prison terms were floated he fled to europe where he made a few films until his passport expired, and then he returned to the United States, where he was arrested, spent a couple months behind bars, totally cracked, and then agreed to narc and testify, throwing everyone under the bus. He named several names. Mm. Um, he made a lot of movies after. None were really that successful, including one we spoke of with our friend John back on Night of the Hunter, Bluebeard from 1972. Still haven't watched wild. that, have you? Did you watch it's it? wild, dude. Yeah, I, I, I'll probably do that this weekend. I'm looking it's forward to that. It's weird. It's a weird movie. It's a weird one. I believe it. Yeah. Um, and he died at age 90 in 1999. A writer, John Paxton, was born in Kansas City. He attended the University of Missouri before studying journalism and headed to New York, where he got a job through his father's cousin organizing a playwriting contest, which would lead him to work in the theater world, mostly as a reviewer, which is actually where he met the producer of this film, Adrian Scott. Once the magazine he was working for had folded, he headed to Hollywood. He slummed it for a bit until his old friend Scott was established at RKO and could get him writing gigs. His first credit was a film called My Pal Wolf, which was a movie about a girl and her dog. Uh, Clearly, he was in the same mindset when he wrote his next film, 1944's Murder My Sweet, directed by Dimitrik and produced by Scott. Once again, because I got to say this as we keep talking about these people, they're going to reunite for 1945's Cornered with Dick Powell. He also wrote 1947's So Well Remembered, which is not a noir, and also Crossfire that same year, which we watched for episode 17. Go ahead and go back. Celebrate the year with us. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sure there's some highlights. After that, Demetric and Scott were blacklisted because both were part of the Hollywood 10. So the gang had broke up. Paxton and Scott in particular were affected as both had projects that they were working on together, including an adaptation of Scott's play, The Great Man's Whiskers, which was unmade, and The Boy with Green Hair, which was made by others and starring the recently departed Dean Stockwell. Hmm. R.I.P., buddy. Paxton had quit RKO in July of 1948. After writing 1951's 14 Hours for 20th Century Fox, he was hired by Columbia to adapt The Wild One in 1953, starring Brando and a biker gang. He later wrote The Cobweb for MGM in 1955. I, I watched that recently on TCM. It was pretty good. It's the uh, about a, The Web. Uh, the Cobweb. Oh, I was going to say, I, I thought you said The Web. I was like, I know, Yeah, I know you know The Web. No, this was, it's about a psychiatric hospital. It stars Richard Widmark as the doctor and then also has Lauren Bacall and Gloria Graham. Oh, interesting. So that was all I needed to check it out. And yeah, it, was, it, it, it was like, I, the description didn't sell me, but the movie was actually quite good. He later did a rewrite for A Prize of Gold in 1955, which sounds like it could be a cool one for our Technicolor Month next spring. Very cool. Have you seen that one? I have not. Okay. Possible list of the four. We'll see. But I'm leaving you in charge of that one. That's up to you, Dan. Okay. Another cool sounding movie he did was the script for Stanley Kramer's film On the Beach in 1959. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounded like a post-apocalyptic movie mm-hmm. Then he had no credits during the 60s And not much of note in the 70s Except for a television adaptation Of his old pal Adrian Scott's play The Great Man's Whiskers uh, Which I found out is about the girl Who got Lincoln to grow a beard hmm. Interesting Isn't it just And let's talk about that playwright Adrian Scott, the producer of this movie He was born in Arlington, New Jersey to already successful parents, and his brother was a playwright whose comedy Goodbye Again ran on Broadway for most of 1933, and he was also uh, an Academy Award-nominated writer. Hmm. But Sky, as we said, he was a New York City critic before moving to Hollywood in 1939, where he got his start as a screenwriter, and his script for Mr. Lucky in 1943 was a huge hit for RKO. So they signed him, but not as a writer, uh, as a producer. And this is where you get My Pal Wolf and Murder My Sweet, Mm-hmm. And um, he would also, as we said, get, get married to Murder My Sweet actress Anne Shirley, a.k.a. Anne Grail. Things kept going well for him, especially with the acclaimed Crossfire. He joined the Communist Party in 1944, and by 1947, he was called to testify before HUAC, and he refused. He's then fired by RKO as well because he, he refused to answer questions. And after this, he returned to journalism for a little bit until he was sentenced to prison along with the rest of the Hollywood Ten. Edward Dimitri, of course, as we said, had chosen to become a friendly witness and testified before everyone that Scott had pressured him to put communist propaganda in his films. Sounds like a real good friend there. Yeah. And Scott made his living in television after that for almost a decade uh, before his blacklist was ended by MGM British, who hired him in 1963. He then attempted to make a return to feature film production in 67 by producing a film, but it was never finished. It, was, it starred Julie Newmar, and stills from the picture were featured in the 1969 September edition of Playboy. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, shortly before his death, he finally got to make his television adaptation of The Great Man's Whiskers and was credited with his legal name. But he also, when he was writing, he used his wife at the time, Joan Scott, who was also a screenwriter. She, she would let him use her name as a front when he couldn't use his due to the blacklist. Wow. Oh, and he apparently adopted a traumatized British war orphan during World War II, but I didn't find too much on that. I don't know, I don't know anything about that. But 
that's murder my sweet folks how do you and feel about it i mean like i said i mean after after all of the the stuff that you just rattled off it's like i'm thinking i about, felt like, like i was rattling dan thank you no, I, no, in a good way. I, I think uh, I felt the bad way, but okay. <laughs> no, like I, I mean, it's all good information, but I feel like the web of the the real lives of these people, you know, it, there's a web, and then there's a yeah. web of you know the actual plot itself. It's just fascinating that there's like that weird synergy where it's yeah. It's, I mean, it's I, I feel like the, but, the, this is like the first one, or between this and Crossfire, where it's like you know been a team, and it was such a large team. Yeah, you know, and, and just how they were all affected by it, and especially you know, the writer and producer, you know, Paxton and Scott being so close and then Dimitri being like the guy who just screwed everybody. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. But like, it's like we said before, it's, I think it's a, an essential film noir and I'm, I'm glad we got to cover it uh, before yeah. the end of the year. I mean, we got, we got the three Marlowe's out, you know, basically. We did it. Yeah. So I mean, from here, the year. sky's the limit. Apparently uh, uh, James Garner played him. I'd like to see that at one point. Hmm. I feel like that's the last one I need in my collection. I still need to see the Mitchum ones. I haven't seen the later ones. Yeah, look out for a shout sale or something and pick up that yeah. that two set. It, it's one. I mean, one's better than the other for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely down to check it out. I just haven't haven't got around to buying it. But yeah, yeah. Next next sale I see, I'll I'll pick that up. All right, that's a promise you can count on. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, that's gonna do it for that. Just just a note to say that thanks so much for for joining us in 2021. Um, it was a garbage year, but we did launch a podcast this year. And, um, you know, it was consistently one of the best things about the year. Just enjoy chatting with my friend Dan, getting to know each other a little more and, and watching mm-hmm. some, some movies together. It's, it's a good time and it's been fun to build a little community too. I mean, I think this thing has, has kind of grown and exploded beyond our expectations. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2022. Yeah, it's been it's been really nice, and it's it's great to see people engaging and and listening and and enjoying it. It's 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 been nice. You know, it feels like there was so little of us out there, and by the end of this year, it really feels like, hey, we're there, we're doing yeah. it. Yeah, so. everyone kind of is hiding in the shadows, and now they're coming out of the shadows. You know, exactly into the fog, right? Into the fog, yeah. <laughs> out of the shadows and into the fog. That's that's the mission here, folks. And if you feel like we've succeeded, feel free to to rate review subscribe apple podcast i think i saw an alert that spotify has ratings now so hmm. feel free to to give that smash on those five stars we'll accept nothing below <laughs> <laughs> we hope for five stars yeah otherwise just don't say anything about that just move on why are you listening you know what you're getting right off the bat with us i feel uh but if you need to talk about it that's cool um feel free to also Talk about it with us, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com, social media, out of the podcast on uh, Instagram. And we're out there. We're doing it. And we're going to do it one more time and many others. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but join us next week in 2022, Dan. See you next year, right? Yep, turning the calendar over. Here we go. Do you have a calendar yet for the next year, this, this pending year? not a physical one everything's digital nowadays so okay i try i've been trying to have a good good streak of physical calendars i, I gotta have something to look at on the wall yeah no i, I mean i like calendars but no i i don't have any good ones i should probably look in to see if i can find a cool one i just found uh this year's was uh the max from uh comics and briefly mm. on mtv i found a, there was a max calendar kickstarted so i used that but this next year i found a I'm going away from a wall calendar to a, you know, like the, the, the paper tearaway one. Desk calendar. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's a peanuts one it's got a peanuts comic every oh, day and it looks perfect nice. yeah i was looking that's forward great. to that yeah love peanuts uh, nothing nothing but the best so yep. that's gonna be good and looks like first up on the calendar gonna be 1952's kansas city confidential you're a three-time loser tony not yet i what's waiting for you harris the chair the gas chamber or just a rope this job you're talking about i said i'd listen you're a cop killer they killed one on that last deal so i'm still listening Nobody sees the others without a mask, even when we make the split. And I decide where and when that takes place. That makes it all foolproof. You want me to believe there was a duplicate truck? I wouldn't know. I wasn't there. And that year you spent in the pen, did anyone frame you on that rap? Just because I got in a jam over a gambling bet doesn't make me a bank robber. We've got to turn him loose. The upstate police found a duplicate flyer's truck half an hour ago. Thanks. For nothing. I want to know who framed me. Might be why Pete Harris beat it to Mexico. Pete Harris? We didn't have nothing against you. We didn't even know you. Lucky me. Helen. For a minute, I thought you weren't glad to see me. Now you're going to turn right around and go home to those law books. Uh Uh-uh. Besides, I kind of like a young man who just checked in. His name is Pete Harris. Pinpointed for you, chum. Pete Harris and me did a deuce together, Joliet. That makes you a phony. I want you to forget that fellow. He's out of bounds for you, Helen. What else have you got against him? Smart boy didn't hear you. What's the matter, pals? Here's stuff. You're smart. You'll play along with me. You're not. It goes rough on everybody. Oh, I think it's going to be a good start. I think it's going to be a good start. You like that? I feel good about that, too. Yeah. We're kicking the year's ass. I'm looking forward to it. It's time. That's all I got. Cool. I'm I'm ready. Ready to close, close out this year. Let's close out the year, close out the episode. Dan? Here's to a new year of crime. Here's to a new year of crime. Everything. <laughs>